playoffs are for winners. On the other side, we do have to deal with Ngakwe. <laughs> Ngakwe. You are listening to the Packers pregame podcast. And who better to pound the rock than AJ, the tree trunks Dylan? I don't, I don't, I don't have a good nickname for him. Answering the hardest question. Or should we just let this play out? Um, you know that's a good question. Fiery debates. It's Kyle. It's Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller's better than Jair Alexander. Yep, he's better. Uh, unbiased opinion, I disagree. And finally, the hottest of takes from the greatest of truth tellers. All right, look around, pre-snap, where's number 20, where's number 20, there he is, that's where I'm going. You don't even have to make reads. This game is a chance for Mitchell Trubisky to turn the tide on his career in the next decade for the Chicago Bears. The question that everyone should have been, well, it shouldn't even have been a question, the statement that everyone should have been saying loud and clearly, yelling it from the rooftops from the mountaintops is, look what Aaron Rodgers has done in spite of Mike McCarthy. He has won in spite of the people above him and the people higher up in the organization. He has dragged this team through the mud. He has willed this team to win. We do not give him the credit that he deserves. Hello, and you are welcome for listening to the Packers pregame podcast. I am one of your hosts. Mike, play Jordan Love this season is over. Burns, and with us today, your favorite resident Bears fan, Jeremy Jair Alexander is the rich man's Cortland Finnegan Macatelli. And hopefully joining us on the podcast later when he wakes up from his slumber is Bill. I'll be in on the playoffs when I hear the words, control your own destiny, Kranz Noble. On the podcast today, we are going to review the Bears game from two weeks ago. We'll talk a little bit about the bye week, and then we're going to preview the LA Rams game. We are going to also have a new segment called Jeremy Helps Mike with his betting. And we're going to go to our favorite matchup to watch, the theme of the week on Twitter. We hopefully will have Bill at that time for the injury report, and we'll finish up with what you are afraid of. So with that, let's jump into it. Jack Youngblood. So... The Packers are coming off of a bye week, but the week before they played the Chicago Bears, they won that game by nine points. The game was a lot closer than the final score said. And Jeremy, I want to start here because believe it or not, I have been carrying the Justin Fields water on Twitter. Justin Fields, pretty good, huh? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd appreciate you doing that for me and mine. And I never do that for you and yours, but <laughs> you don't <laughs> thank need you to. for that. Um, it's the only time in my life I think I've ever been excited to watch offense and get like so and, and get like a shirt, a pit in my stomach watching defense. I mean, that's happened before, but not both together. Um, in 2013, you know, those years they were like decent on offense. They still didn't win a lot. It was just fun to see Jay sling into two six five like behemoths. That yeah. was always fun. This just feels different. There's nobody out there, and they finally have a guy who is literally carrying the entire team on his back. He is eighth in the league in rushing yards. Not eighth. for quarterbacks. Not for He's quarterbacks. He's top 10 in the league right now in rushing yards. That's unbelievable. And he's still got a pretty good arm, too, and it's just fun to kind of see him learn every single week because he is a little bit of a cyborg. He doesn't get hurt, and when he does, he regenerates very quickly, and when he makes mistakes, he learns very quickly, and he's like the Terminator, and he doesn't make the same mistake twice. I mean, sometimes. Maybe three times. Well, I I actually... really fun. I I want to stay here for a second. I want to talk about two plays specifically from Justin Fields that popped off the screen. I want to start with the read option that went for like 50 some yards where um, we don't defend Joe Barry on this podcast very often, but the Packers had a man right there on the read option, played it perfectly. Justin Fields makes 
that person miss miserably. And even at that point, we have very athletic linebackers and DBs and safeties that all seem to have an angle. And in the blink of an eye, they're all five yards behind Justin Fields running down the football field. It was an incredible display of athleticism because the defense played it correctly and it still turned into 50 plus yard read option touchdown. He Euro stepped Keyshawn Nixon into the <laughs> earth's crust. He was right there. Yeah. And then he gave him the old Chris Berman whoop. He put him on his put him on his ass. And then in that in that instant, he is now going diagonally through a hole that wasn't there that is usually filled by a linebacker or at least a safety and then he like forces him out of bounds it's just a straight line that you're like oh my god he's he's past me i, I, I cannot catch him yeah he is actually deceptively fast he no, doesn't he look like is. michael vick when he runs he is so big his legs are so long he is just like gliding and you're like oh my god they're not gonna catch him <laughs> you're you're confused about why he's pulling away you're watching it and you're like, why, wait, why is the gap between the defender and Justin Fields growing? It doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but he is. He is. It's insanity. It's like you, there are these electric throws sprinkled in through the season two, but I can't believe we've seen the same type of run three, four times this year now. Yeah. Just touchdown runs that are over 50 yards, and you're like, what did I just watch? Like, in the blink of an eye, we scored, and it was because of one guy. Yeah. Well, and he I... I throw to somebody. He just did it himself. And I want to talk about uh, uh, that throw that he had to um, EQ in a second, but I want to stay on the, the speed topic. Another very fast player that was on that football team. Uh, Christian Watson's pretty fast, man. I mean, like, really, really fast. Um, he has, Very fast. He's got some developing he has to do in other parts of his game. He's still, like, the chest catcher. and It just freaks me out. Um, he's, he won't catch the ball with his hands. But he's, <laughs> he's pretty good, dude. He's, uh, he is kind of what you would have <clears throat> wanted with a second-round pick at wide receiver his rookie year. Like, he's, he's very good. But so because I am a hater and you want to give praise to my guys because you are still coming from the place up on high and I am still down in the dirt. Uh, you're right. I All these skills, and this is definitely what you like to see, and he's very talented. I still am just like refusing to go as far as saying he's good yet because I just won't let that happen. <laughs> I, won't, I won't let the guy who the first six to eight weeks of the season was like, this guy's an absolute bust. Can't believe we gave up capital to get him. What is he doing on this team? He already can't stay off the injured list. And now he scores eight touchdowns in four weeks. And I'm like, you know what? Physical skills, that's all fine and good. He's just a little bigger than faster than everybody. But I don't know where the skill is, you know. I'm not so ready to say he's good. Um, So I'm going to have that hater energy for a while now. I I like it. I like it. In the famous words of our, our missing podcaster today, enough with Christian Watson. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, well, seriously, the only thing I have to lean back on is like one of Romeo Dubs' best touchdown catches this year was like, okay, that's a receiver. Like, that's a really good, yeah. like, typical receiver, which you don't need atypical or you don't, you don't need typical athletes these days. You need atypical athletes. And that's kind of what Christian Watson is. If he can get more of those specific receiver skills, then maybe now we got a stew going. That's right. That's right. Now we got a stew going. Um, so I, there's a uh, again I'm gonna talk about that throw that Justin Fields had to EQ, but I was when I was watching that Bears game, I think I can pinpoint the loss to one offensive series, and I'm just gonna throw it out to you. What in the hell was Luke Getze doing in the red zone? in the third was it the third quarter the beginning of the fourth quarter what um what what happened there because that was like the end of the game i can check some texts because i know exactly what you're talking about and i know exactly what happened and i was furious about it all week but also i don't know man we really might have like a covert tank job going on with one guy because this has happened this is not a very this isn't a game specific thing 
feels like multiple times this year we get down in the deep uh we get in the deep in the other opponent's territory like inside the 30 so not exactly the red zone and it's just all right let's see what the running backs can do let's throw it sideways like oh what are you doing it was so weird i honestly think luke getsy might be the only person in the building tanking and we might have him to thank for it at the end of the year but in the middle of the year it pisses me off yeah it was if i can remember uh we were on their packers 23 maybe packers 23 third and five uh, I think it was just like a shotgun handoff that went nowhere, and then we kicked a field goal that got blocked. And that was—that's just chicken shit football. That's loser football. That was—that was what sent me up a wall that game. But it, well, I but, can't say it happened this year before. But then there was also, wasn't it? There, there. You guys were goal to go, I think. And all of a sudden, it was like a, a handoff, and then a, a, a holding penalty, and. Then it was like goal to go from like the 30. We are two weeks removed. Um, so that, and my recall isn't the greatest. But at that point, it may have just been me putting pushing out the game already because I knew it was over after that sequence in the third quarter that led to the very, very, very typical Aaron Rodgers knows exactly how to beat this team. I'm going to choose six to seven minutes off this clock and get either a field goal or a touchdown, and they're not going to score again because I just know it. It it was well, and so um, the we're going to move on to it, Jeremy. Um, and I'm sorry, but this is the fun of a Bears Packers game, which is what happened with your Jair Alexander tweet. So the throw, the throw was incredible. The throw was top of the line. Justin Fields throws it 30, 40 yards downfield. EQ is one-on-one. And he's on Jair Alexander. And it's a perfect, perfect throw. You couldn't have placed it any better. Um, And so then you send the tweet out. I thought Jair Alexander was good. And that comes back to to bite you when he jumps a route and ends the football game on an interception. And so I I just, I'm going to leave it open to you because I'm not here to make fun of you about it because I would have done the same thing. And I have stuck my foot in my mouth a million times this season. But that sucked. That hurt. I know it did. Oh my god, it really stung. Not because of <laughs> what I was saying. Not because of what I was saying online. I mean, I can stand. I can stand by all that. <clears throat> but it was just a shitty way to end that game. Like once again, we're just we're not even gonna like threaten to get in field goal range. We're just gonna end it with another interception that's backbreaking. But so there's all. This is a whole. If we're talking themes of the week, that was that throw was essentially theme of the week on Bears Twitter. Yeah. So Jair gets beat not once but twice, technically, in the game. One of them yes. was just an amazing play by the receiver. Who thought Nikhil Harry had that in him? Not me. Not me. But still, um, awesome corner supposed to stop that. He talks a lot. Maybe he should stop that on bad receiver. Um, anyway. <laughs> that play had so much going on, that interception, because it was... Props to the corner while also blame on the receiver. What happened was everybody all year, why isn't Justin Fields throwing with more anticipation? What's going on? Why is he only doing things off script? Why can't he play on time? Well, you saw what happened right there when he tried to play on time and throw a timing route. The receiver ran a terrible route. He didn't box out the defender and it got intercepted. But also Jair Alexander had his eyes on the quarterback the whole time. He probably knew what kind of play they were running because it was a Luke Getze offense and it was EQ. He probably has done that to him in practice a thousand times. He knows what EQ looks like when he tries to shuttle down for seven yards to do a hitch. And he's like, okay, this ball is mine. Like, yeah, it was a good play while also explaining so many things that's wrong with the Bears offense. Everybody's clamoring for Justin Fields to do one thing, but he also needs better receivers to do those things. If yeah. you want to throw with anticipation, you need to have trust in your receivers. He trusted his receiver, and his receiver bailed him, or did not. Um, sorry, did not help him. 
Yeah. I want, I think, I, but I, I think that goes back to our original point and then we'll, we'll end this, um, the recap. Uh, but it goes to the original point that, uh, Justin Fields is really good and he's doing this with EQ and that, that guy who you said, I don't even know his name. And you're like, Oh, who, who knew he had it in him? Well, I, I didn't even know. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even know he was on the team. And that was, I was like, who is that guy? He seems pretty big. Um, Darnell Mooney out for the season traded for Chase Claypool inactive this Sunday out of nowhere. That's great. That's great. Um, okay. Real good. Brett Favre goes back to pass. He pumps. Now he fires over the middle. Intercepted. I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. It was intercepted by Tracy Porter. So, uh, Dick Bass. Dick Bass. Jeremy had put on the rundown here. Um, Are we going to talk about the Deshaun Kaiser story about Aaron Rodgers? And this is a pretty decent time to do it, I think, right? Um Let's do it here before we jump into that to the LA Rams preview. So I'm assuming you have some thoughts. So go ahead. I mean, I did have thoughts. That was two weeks ago. I just thought it was really funny that that was the story going into Bears week. Deshaun Kaiser comes out of nowhere and he's like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers asked me if I believed in 9-11. And I was like, oh, what? And also Deshaun Kaiser probably now believes that 9-11 was like not a thing that happened because if you watch the video in the end he's like you guys laugh but like you know, do your research so it's it was a video that was framed with headlines like aaron Rodgers is a crazy person but also it was just a strong kaiser being like yeah this guy's actually onto something <laughs> i you know what something just clicked for me um it is my belief now that uh, all of these mixed signal problems that the Packers are having uh, because Aaron Rodgers isn't like teaching the signals they can all be found in like the Zapruder films all of the signals Aaron Rodgers has giving that he gives to his wide receivers can all be found in all of these conspiracy videos online that is the secret okay, to I Aaron apologize to the audience. I apologize that this is an audio medium but Mike when does when does he give this signal looks at the receiver <laughs> and he gives him the double thumbs. The when does he give him the double half the, the George Bush thumbs? The George Bush thumbs. That is that is go hey, Christian. That's right. That's right. That is uh that is that is a mesh concept because you can't because we're trying to blur the lines. Um so <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. I'm a primetime player. I came through when it counted and uh Got my second TV. I got one for my living room now, one for my bedroom. So let's uh, let's move on to the preview of the game. The Green Bay Packers are hosting the Eric LA Dickerson. Rams. Ooh, that's a good one. Eric Dickerson's a good one. The Green Bay Packers are hosting the LA Rams on Monday night. Um, and I want to start out because we are going to be doing our, our gambling segment in a little bit. But the Green Bay Packers must have something over Vegas because how can how can this thing open up the Green Bay Packers should not be favored by eight points against anyone that doesn't make any sense so explain that to me how is it eight points um well I'm absolutely no expert and I can't totally explain that type of stuff all I know is that with some teams Vegas either has the absolute inside track on everybody and by that, I mean the Vikings. And with teams like the Packers, it just seems like they still get the Aaron Rodgers bump. And also, I think they just they know how people are going to react. So they throw the Packers up to eight. Everybody probably maybe takes the Rams. But my God, are they so bad? They're so bad. They just probably are setting these lines, waiting for it to be set by the market. They're like, we're just going to let these people bet on this line, and it's going to settle exactly where we want it to set. It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, Black Friday shopping, where you're like, oh my god, the whole week up until Friday, this thing was thirty dollars, but then Black Friday comes around, it's forty five dollars, but we slashed it down to thirty. <laughs> right. Right, it's change a, uh, the price and <laughs> give you the they, discount. It's it's the Kohl's discount where it's like everything is thirty percent off, but that's because we boosted the price like ninety bucks. Damn it's right. Amazing. 
So um, this is the first time in a long time that the Packers are going to get both Romeo Dobbs and um, and Christian Watson on offense. Um, that's I think that's pretty exciting, but it also really yeah like outside uh, of like the first game. Yeah, outside of the the first game, and then what the Lions game when Dobbs got hurt. Like I, you yeah, know, I, Christian Watson didn't exactly make it through the Vikings game. I don't think, or maybe he did, but he didn't play much after that. And then, really, I didn't think that they both missed all missed all this overlap time. Yeah, and so I mean, I I, I don't think it's like the first time all year, but it is the first time in a long time. Um, and the your mentality as a Packers fan shines through on how you look at that. And I think it says something deep in my actual subconscious because while I'm on Twitter saying play the right lottery, play the right lottery, go and try to get in the playoffs, when I think about being able to watch Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson on offense, my immediate reaction is not... It's like a Rorschach test. Uh, My immediate reaction to that is I'm really excited to see what they can do for next year when it should be wow, they're both pretty good and it should be very helpful to get them both back for this playoff run. But maybe it's telling me subconsciously deep down that I don't think the Packers can actually do it. I will applaud you because you seem to do this routinely. You always kind of have, you know how you hear these weird football coaches always have like some saying they either heard of a long time ago or they just made it up. Like it's just kind of their thing that they say. You always kind of, I always say things I've already heard before. You always seem to come up with something that is newer. I mean, I don't think playing the right lottery is maybe a new thing, but it just, I would have never thought about that. That's a great way to pit the two sides of like Packers fandom against each other. It's like, you guys want to play, like, it's not really called the lottery in the NFL draft, but you know, you can, you can call it a lottery. Like you might get this big time player. I love that. Play the right lottery. And you know, it's just your choice to determine what the right one is I, I like that first of all so applaud thank you thank you very good um, thank um, you i appreciate that jeremy look at us look at us bears packers fans complimenting each other complimenting each other's teams this is what america can be okay this it is up. we are bears packers fans cutting it up saying good things about justin Fields, saying good i mean you didn't say anything good about christian watson but i we all understand that i think <laughs> Uh, at a at a deep uh, at a deep level, but um, all right, let's let's talk I'm, about I'm the growing. I'm telling you, really quick, I'm growing. I, I it's hard not to like him, but all of my other my Vikings friends, I am Justin Jefferson number number two fan over here. I love that guy. If there's any really Vikings like that we should like, it's Justin Jefferson. I really like him too. You know what I was thinking about? This is a this is a weird tangent, but um, I was watching the the Seattle Seahawks game. Not not against the Niners, but the uh, the week before against the Panthers, and it struck me that I have been hating on Tyler Lockett for his entire career, and I shouldn't be. I shouldn't have. Can't believe can't believe how good he is. All can't the believe time. how good he is every year. He is the most underrated wide receiver, and I just feel like I have not appreciated his entire career. And so, unless it's something that like that I just can't stand I am gonna try very hard to appreciate massive talent even when it's on a team that I may dislike a lot um but like I mean I I don't regret hating Russell Wilson but I do no, regret no 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 no, hating no. On, no. so um this is a this this LA matchup is super weird I'm gonna I'm gonna read off the rundown and I, I don't it's it's just a it's a football matchup where I don't know what's going to happen. So LA is really great against the run and the Packers have been really bad against good run defenses this year. LA is really bad at running the football and the Packers are really bad against stopping the run. LA is really bad against the deep pass. Aaron Rodgers' deep ball accuracy this year has been good, actually, but it's going to be really cold, and that is hard. LA is pretty decent again in the passing game. The Packers are pretty good against the pass this year. It is like 
whatever one team is good at, the other team is good at. Whatever one team is bad at, the other team is bad at. I It, it is an odd, odd matchup. So this is, like, this makes me think of those games where it's like, well, there's premier pass rusher going against backup right tackle, and you expect them to wreak havoc. And how many times do you watch that game and you're like, oh yeah, that guy just absolutely wrecked the game because there was a backup right tackle in. It just, it's, it feels like a fallacy that never comes true. Yeah. Or maybe that's just from me watching, like, any Bears game where it's like backup right tackle against Khalil Mack, and then I just didn't hear anything from him the whole game which is super weird to say about him but i just felt that so many times I'm like well he should absolutely dominate this game no we don't have anybody on the defensive line so they're just going to double team him and he's not going to do anything right right but it's almost i know what you mean just because there's strength on strength or weakness on weakness or even just like weakness on strength it doesn't always play out that way like today i'm worried about it today it's saturday with the vikings and um colts game because it is fantasy playoffs and I'm having a tough time picking who to play. It's like, do I play Michael Pittman versus the non-existent Vikings pass defense? Or is that just like, it's not actually going to come true because the Colts are just bad at passing. It doesn't matter if the other team is bad at stopping the pass. They're not good at passing. Why would I expect Michael Pittman to get like 50 yards and a score? He just, Matt Ryan is terrible. Right, (laughs) But so are the Vikings. Right. What I expect to happen is not what's going to happen. It is It is the beauty. It's what we were talking about uh, pre-pod. It's the beauty of football. There are so many things that you just, you can't know. It's not It's not that simple. And it, uh, it sounds simple, but then you get these matchups where it's good on good and bad on bad. And both these teams know what they're good and they're bad at. So what, like... You have no idea the adjustments that are going on behind the scenes. Right. It's the most cl- the most classic example that I should have started with is this team has a terrible run defense. This team loves to run the ball. But it's like against the Titans. I mean, Derrick Henry had, like, got his. But did, did you think that Derrick Henry wrecked that Titans-Packers game? No. It certainly didn't seem like it. No, it was Ryan Tannehill going for, like, a, like 300-plus yards and, like, 80% yeah. completion percent. Like, Derrick Henry should absolutely eat today, and then he doesn't. He only likes to run for 200 yards against the Texans because it's fun for him. That's right. It's it's the wildest thing. Um, So I actually want to – I was going to pose this question to the captain, but I'm going to pose it to you. So – the playoff scenarios, and we're going to talk about how that's a theme of the week on Twitter, but no matter what, the Packers have to win out. And they have, I would say, one easy game. The LA game should not be a difficult game to win, but how many times have we said that? But the 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 rest of the games are difficult games. Miami's going to be tough. The Vikings are going to be tough. The Lions are going to be tough. Is there any sort of win that could happen on Monday night that would give you confidence that the Packers can actually win three pretty difficult football games to end the season? I don't think you can take much from this game unless unless they just kind of look awesome in all three phases. Fa- Sorry, excuse me, phases. <laughs> if they have Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson both back and things just look like they're clicking, which, I mean, that's entirely possible you never know but i still don't think you can carry that into a dolphins game and expect them to just keep rolling it's kind of like that cowboys game you're like this looked really good this is what the offense is supposed to look like and then the team is just riddled with inconsistency this year where you beat up on the cowboys one of the best teams in the nfc and you're like wow this is like kind of what the team's supposed to look like and then the very next week it's a or the, the thursday the very following thursday it's a stinker against the titans who right. just like routinely miss a bunch of guys um if you if the packers can beat the dolphins on christmas day and look like you could do anything to stop those two receivers then maybe you can look forward to making the playoffs what is the deal run me through a quick scenario if like if the packers lose one more game how what are their odds like it's or does over. it kind of matter how it, it is it's just i over? mean i mean it mostly I mean, over you know like close enough like it's like when you have when you have dolphins and vikings back to back i just think you're losing one if not both of those agreed so if um, you the only way you can feel confident about those is if 
Rodgers looks like he's clicking with those two receivers. Yeah. And like he's hitting Randall Cobb on a third and seven again for the 10,000th time in my lifetime. So, okay, this is what I've been saying is that the most unrealistic part of the Packers getting into the playoffs is them winning out. So for them to make the playoffs, they, they need to win out. And then they need the one of the the commanders and the Giants to lose three of their next four games, which is not inconceivable. Um, and then they need the Seahawks to lose one more, and they need the Lions to lose one more outside of losing to the Packers the last game of the year, and they'll be in. Um, that the Packers still have to beat the Lions again. Yeah, yeah, which I don't think will be an easy game either. Like it's I, certainly not easy. The Lions look formidable they do they do so um i i for me the answer is and i i'm not i'm not going to use the um the the nomenclature that's been used to describe this game previously but if the packers come out there was that two game stretch where you had the the game where they were up 42 to nothing at halftime against a team that will not be specified and then the next week they came out and put up 50 plus on the Eagles um, if they do something like that if they put up 40 plus points and just absolutely dominate this game it may give me a little bit of confidence but any other result other than that I'll probably still be where I am right now which is it's football so they can win out like because anything can happen in football but I, I still don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to stroll into Miami on on Sunday on Christmas Day and deliver the the presents that need to be delivered uh, and win. So that I, that's it. It has to be like a, it has to be like that forty-two to nothing halftime score for me to have any confidence. Well, yeah, offense is the easy answer, but I think the real answer that I glossed over is the defense just has to look better. Yeah. I mean, it just has to. You play against Baker Mayfield, it has to look better. And also, Jalen Ramsey, I think is, I don't want to say a fraud, but he bothers me because he's supposed to be like the best corner in the league, and a lot of people believe it. A lot of receivers believe it. A lot of coaches believe it. But anytime he gets matched up against, you know, the better offense, better receiver, he always gets beat. But this year, Packers don't have Devontae Adams. You can't just have Aaron Rodgers give him a little wink and say, this is what we're doing. We're going to beat him on this play because we're both together we're better than him he could easily uh lock up whoever he chooses to whether it be Dobbs or Watson or just whoever's on his side like he's still very good and Rodgers doesn't have his go-to guy to just beat him with telepathic kinetic abilities anymore I agree 100% and that brings me to the last thing which is the Aaron Rodgers quote that's been going around which is him saying pretty much that we need to be in the 30s every game um He's not wrong. Oh, interesting. <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, not wrong. But at the same time, that quote, that quote does not instill confidence in me the way that I think it has for a lot of people. A lot of people are like, good, Aaron Rodgers is, is putting the onus on himself and he's taking, um, putting the target on the offense on what they need to do. What scares me is that Aaron Rodgers thinking he needs to put up 30 every game reminds me of the quote he said earlier in the year which is we want to go out swinging and then we scored nine points against the lions because he deviated from what had been working my my biggest fear on that front is that aaron Rodgers goes straight hero ball because we need to be in the 30s every game when it's like the way that we've gotten to the 30s this year is by running the football running play action running mesh and having a couple of gadget plays up our sleeve where we run a jet sweep or we run the the toss outside to Aaron Jones. What I'm nervous about is checking out of runs to pass the ball because we got to have 30 this game. Right. You're worried about going right back to that Giants Jets back to back of just like, how did we lose these games? I mean, like, I know these teams were on a roll at the time, but come on. Like, how did what what happened? Right. Those, those, that stretch of Giants, Jets, commies going 0-3, you win one of those games. Like, Was there a three-week stretch where you felt worse as a fan of this team in the last decade? That was, they were um, down pretty bad. 
Well, I guess the I, I always look back on losing to the Arizona Cardinals at home that's, as yeah, that's that's always the default. But but that gave life to the franchise of the Green Bay Packers because right, it got Mike McCarthy fired. Very different. Yeah. Very and different. So, that was yeah. like we're on we're on the way down. We know it. This was like the nail in the coffin for this era. But now it's like, okay, hopefully we can turn things around. This was just a bad stretch. We're not firing anybody, that whole type of thing. Orlando Pace. Do you really need two? I mean, can I have one? If you come over and watch some movies with me. Okay, we are about to... We are about to show and premiere a brand new segment, which is called Jeremy Helps Me With My Betting. Because last week... I had a rough week. Uh, was it? La- yeah, last week. I went one and four, and um, I bet on the Bucks who got blown out. I bet on the Titans who got blown out. None of the games were actually ever close. Nate Silver's ELO spreads have cost me uh, two houses. And so Jeremy was in the group chat pretty much um, saying... Why would you ever make those bets? And so it led me to think, man, wouldn't it be so great to have a segment where Jeremy helps me with my betting? So since this is going to be coming out on Saturday, we want to be able to give some people uh, the ability to take advantage of the average to below average betting advice, which is better than mine of Jeremy McAtelly. So Jeremy, I, I, I don't know how you want to do this. Do you want me to just run through some games and you, or do you have some games that you have picked out in your mind? Like, do you want to like give a bet of the week or do you want me to, and I'm sorry, we're doing this live on the podcast, or do you want me to ask you about some games? I know exactly how I want to do this because we're going to do it just the way that it came through over text. I just, I just need to, we just need to talk through it. I just need to know what's going on in your head. And then I need to either agree with you or I need to tell you, why are you betting on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They stink, Mike. Why are you betting on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Especially against the 49ers. I don't care who their backup quarterback is. Because... Just, so that's what I mean. That's that's the attitude we're going with. Just give me, just give me something that you're maybe a little iffy about. No, give me something you feel good about. Okay. So... Okay, let me explain my reasoning while I pull up a couple of games. I want to explain my reasoning because I went on Nate Silver's ELO spreads and I saw that the Bucks were on their ELO spreads favored and then I was getting points in real life and I was like, wow, this, this is easy. So one that I'm feeling really good about, Jeremy... Um, I love points. I love taking the points. And Houston is plus 15 at home against Kansas City. And I really want to take Houston. When it comes to this point in the season, I find it very, very dangerous to bet on very bad teams. Okay. The Texans had their moral victory last week almost beating the Cowboys, the in-state rival that isn't really a rival and maybe should be. They don't have Damian Pierce this week. They keep shuffling over their quarterbacks. They don't know which one to pick. And Lovey Smith is the head coach. That is so many points. But you're, that is so many points. But you're also going to be at halftime or even earlier and you're like, I just bet against Patrick Mahomes and he's up 21 to zero in the blink of an eye. (laughs) That is so good. Okay. So, um, my second game... Points are great. Maybe throw them in a teaser. 21 po- 20 points. 20 okay. and a half. That'd be great. Okay. So, um, the other game that I would want to put in the teaser then is... And again, you're going to have to talk me out of this. Tom Brady at home with three and a half points against the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know how I can't bet that. Because the Buccaneers are bad. I already told you this. Let's take a look really quick at... Let's, let's try to find some motivation here for the teams on the field. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 6-7. and seven. They are still atop the NFC South. Right. Even, even if they lose this week and the Panthers win, 
I don't know if there's a tiebreaker to be had there, but they are technically still tied for the top of the division. Why does Tom Brady want to go out and win that game? Why would, why would he want to keep it close? Even if they lose, who cares? Like, we need to just play better football in late December, and maybe we'll sneak in, and we're playing good in January. That's what matters. The Bengals are fighting for their AFC North lives in a team with the against the Ravens, which I cannot believe they are 9-4. I cannot believe the Ravens are 9-4, and, and they're tied with the Bengals for first place in the division. The Bengals are playing better. Jamar Chase is back. Joe Burrow's on fire. I don't know why you would trust the, the Buccaneers of all teams for a second week in a row to keep things close. What's the line on that game? Let me just double Three check. Three and a half. What is it? Three and a half. So maybe you tease that to what? Nine and a half? Ten? Depending on which one you pick. Yeah. I mean, maybe. So you got Texans 20 and a half to the Chiefs and 10 and a half Buccaneers against the Bengals. And the third leg of the teaser. I really want to take seven points in the Rams. Like, I just, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't think that Green Bay should be favored by seven points against literally anyone. So, so a two-score game, we put that to 13. Yeah. You got three. No, Tom Brady may be the quarterback of that team, but you have three terrible teams in a teaser. Honestly, for me, that's something that I would do. And okay. I've tried to tell myself to stop doing that because I lose them all the time. It's and just, this is the time of year to stop betting on bad teams. I love you it. You kind of have to, you don't bet on teams you think are good. You fade the teams you know are bad right now. Because okay. the, unpredictability the unpredictability of the NFL is still that the Giant, the Vikings could lose to the Colts today. Yeah. Well, like, you bet on the Vikings because the Colts stink. I'm just and also, like I said earlier in the pod, I think Vegas absolutely has the Vikings pegged this year. They know exactly what's going on. So they might win by three, and you could lose that bet because it's three and a half right now. But it's going to be right there. They might only win by four because that's what the Vikings do. I The biggest reason that swung me on Vegas having the inside track on the Vikings this year was all week. Oh, my God. Like, why would that Cowboys team be favored on the road at the Vikings? That's insane to me. Why would that Cowboys team be favored against the Vikings? And then they beat them 40 to 3 or something like that. Well, that's the like, other okay. thing I did last week that really – I was all week talking talking a huge game. I'm like, I am fading the Vikings the rest of the year. They are not good. Like, they're fine, but they're not as good as their record. I'm going to fade them. I'm going to fade them. And then I see that – the Lions are favored, and I faded myself. And I took the Vikings' money. Oh, I faded that's myself. That's another one. That's the other thing. The Lions are favored uh, at home, or the Lions are, where was it? Was it in Detroit? It was in Detroit. Remember. It was in Detroit. The Lions are favored. Everybody's like, oh, that seems a little bit uh, reactionary that the Lions are getting points against the Vikings. Like, the Lions have only played good for, what, two weeks? Yeah, Vegas knows exactly what the Vikings are. If the Vikings are, aren't favored, I wouldn't exactly take Vikings spreads or even the points with bad teams like the Colts. But if the Vikings are underdogs, maybe take the other team. I just kind of yeah. think that something's going on there. Yeah. Well, um, that was our, our, our inaugural, our premiere of Jeremy helping me with my betting. So with that. Just trying to give you a different perspective on these teams that we watch every week. London Fletcher. Did you just listen to the question I just answered? Okay, I got three years invested in Brett Hundley, two years invested in Joe Callahan. The quarterback room is exactly where it needs to be. Let's move on to uh, our favorite matchup of the week. Uh, my favorite matchup of this week is uh, something you brought up earlier, which is the idea that Jalen Ramsey is as good, but maybe not as good as Jalen Ramsey thinks that he is. Jalen Ramsey is going to be um, a problem, I think, for the Packers, but there is one area in which the LA Rams and Jalen Ramsey in uh, specifically have been very bad and it's against the deep ball. I am excited to see the deep ball uh, against Jalen Ramsey, hopefully with Christian Watson, maybe Romeo Dobbs, but that's going to be my favorite matchup is the Packers are going to take some shots downfield on Monday night. And if they connect, this game could get out of hand. And if they don't, we could be in a dog fight. I'm very excited for that. My favorite matchup is uh, second week of underdog Baker because the only time he ever 
plays well is when he's an underdog. This has been discussed ad nauseum around, you know, your your NFL podcast circles that the relationship between Baker Mayfield's performance and the expectations is inverse, if I'm using that correctly. Yes, you are. If expectations are high, he's like, eh, no thanks. I'm going to throw two interceptions today. And if every single person in the world is counting him out, he's like, watch me be the number one overall pick two years in a row. They love me so much, they took me twice. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. He's like, oh, I got in on Tuesday, 36 hours ago. Watch this. Yeah, yeah. He is actually literally probably like, hold my beer. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, that's the only thing that makes me like Baker, but I also don't think a lot of people like Baker. I don't really like Baker. Vince my Lusum. relationship with Baker is inverse. When he's playing poorly, I'm like, you know what? It'd be cool if like Baker would play a little bit better. I kind of like that guy. Then he starts to get a big head and he's playing well. I'm like, yeah, he's a little annoying. I don't like him. I don't like him. Vince, <laughs> Vince Newsom. All right, um, let's talk about the uh, theme of the week going on on Packers Twitter. So there are three things that were themes this week. Uh, the first was an athletic article that came out uh, talking about the fact that Aaron Rodgers is very secret when it comes to his hand signals, that it is kind of a, a secret language that's not written down anywhere. It's something that the players need to learn throughout the season. The quotes that I have from the article itself, I have pulled up here, and it starts with uh, Equinemia St. Brown saying that on Saturdays, rookie receivers, running backs, and tight ends get quizzed on these hand signals. And Equinemia St. Brown is quoted as saying, you don't want to get called on because you got to do it in front of the whole team. Um, it's definitely something... Uh, wide receivers don't look forward to said Jordan Love in the signal meeting because we have so many. You don't want to, you don't want any of that stuff getting out. So we wait until the season starts to get through the signals. Um, another quote that I think is super important was Kylan Hill is no longer a Packer. Said we don't teach them because players get released every day or traded. So we don't want anybody giving out a rod signals. This caused a big deal on Twitter. Uh, specifically, uh, I got into an altercation with Peter Bukowski, and I want to use my platform here to talk about a couple of things. First, um, maybe the Packers have more information than we do. I also do think, gun to my head, on if it's a good or a bad process, seems like a bad process. Seems like I would not want to run my organization that way, but I don't have as much information. Um, number two, I also think it could be the fact that if you are teaching these signals and these signals get figured out by other teams, it might be easier to have this secret code rather than having to relearn 30 new signals every week so that you're, they don't get scouted by other teams. And then the third thing, and this is about uh, Peter specifically, he is like really smart. He has great information. But I think sometimes he is too smart for his own good because he thinks that an athletic article that he's reading is all of the information that's available. It's something um, in, in statistics that, that's called objective ignorance where you have all of the information that you have available to you and you make your conclusion but you're not thinking about the information you may not have available to you. I just don't understand why this was such a big deal on Twitter last night. It just made me want to pound my head against the wall. It was, um, like I said, off the pod beforehand. This is one of those articles or one of those things that the point in the whole actual story of the article is it's not just about the hand signals and what's going on there even though the title is signal meetings and aaron rogers little death stare <laughs> that's just the one thing that everybody sort of latched onto as like a let's get let's pile on aaron rogers some more let's do this this bad stuff's going on and he's like a secretive weirdo when a lot of it was really talking about how difficult it is in general to be a young wide receiver and a brand new wide receiver in like the Aaron Rodgers world and system 
And that was what I liked about the article because the whole, I knew I was going to get to the signals part eventually. That's what I was reading for to like eventually get there. What's everybody talking about? The whole first half of it was just what it's like being young in the NFL, what wide receivers are like, the meetings are like, and how difficult it can be. So I will say my anti Rogers take and my pro Rogers take. Um, I'll start with the anti one because it's a little bit more fun. And that's where it started with the article. Um, Jordan Love had a quote. And this is what made me think of it. That said, um, quote, Aaron will bring signals back from five or six years ago that he used to have in an older offense. Love said he'll just signal it out there and you just kind of got to know. And if you don't know, you just have to figure it out. It's hard for young guys. And a way to figure it out is... Or would it not be extra work with the quarterback or it's stuff in training camp? He's he's insinuating you have to like go up to Aaron Rodgers and ask him after he does it. Like, hey, what did that one mean? Like, I didn't know that. What did that one mean? Like, you need the extra work. But also, aren't we still talking about the same guy who's just like not showed up to training camp the last three years? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He just like, I'm just going to waltz in after pretending to do a holdout and I'm going to be there the first day that mandatory practice starts like nothing's happened it's all good i almost got you guys once again (laughs) didn't have to do a holdout i was never gonna hold out i'm not gonna do that that's the phrase that made me laugh jeremy the pretend holdout that is hilarious the fake holdout so good and like not to compare like he really only has one historic comp tom brady is out here with his receivers as much time as he possibly can he's like look i like if i'm off by one inch with where i want that ball to be he's like pissed off about it he's like no yeah. i need you here or i need to have this ball here and like i just i don't want to always bring him up but it's the only person you can compare him to yeah which also makes it super weird that he's super off key with mike evans this year it's like they just met each other a month ago i don't yeah. really understand that but that's what he does He's, I mean, other than this year, he's only done this for 23 years. He kind of had some time away from training camp. It was like 15 days. He was just gone. Didn't tell anybody where, probably settling an FTX dispute. <laughs> <laughs> but like other than last year, how many times has he missed time with some of his new guys? Even though you see him barking at them and being pissy at them on the sidelines, he's getting in that extra work. And Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, I have these secret signals that I'm not going to teach you until the season starts because I'm not here for training camp. Right. But then the pro side, that makes sense. The fourth phase of football is not the fans. The fourth phase of football is gamesmanship. Yeah. (laughs) Always hide your signals. Always have something going on. This one is one of my favorite ones in the article, too, is from Love. Or it's not from Love. It says that the only actual... Right here. The closest thing to a written record is a list of calls that Love creates each week. Each call or route or concept corresponds to a specific signal. He said the list is three columns deep and only for the quarterback's use. Quote, wide receivers aren't allowed to get that, he said. Especially the young guys when they first get here. Only one person has it written down and the wide receivers aren't allowed to have it. Right, right. It, it's, it was an unbelievable It article. makes sense. But it seems like he's putting the onus on the receivers to come figure it out for themselves, which makes sense and also doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. if you know the guys are going to be here, maybe tell them what, like, this means. As I said on Twitter, Aaron Rodgers is the king of mixed signals. So, um, <laughs> Tori Holt. Blair Walsh from 27 yards left hash. Snap good, spot down. Walsh's kick is up, and it is no good. He missed it. Are you kidding me? The season can't end like that. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, the injury report. We have no Bill today. I guess he might be injured himself. So uh, I am how are we going to do it without Bill? I'm just gonna. I got it pulled up. I'm gonna go for it. And I, remember, this is not my job. So uh, we'll start on the Ram side of things. All right. On Friday, Brian Allen, limited practice with a knee. Marquise Copeland did not practice with an ankle. Aaron Donald did not practice with an ankle. Travin Howard did not practice with a hip. Ernest Jones was limited in practice with a wrist. Terrell Lewis, not listed uh, with a back. David Long Jr. did not practice with a groin. Robert Rochelle, limited practice with a wrist. And John Wolford did not practice with a neck. 
on the Packers side of things. David Bakhtiari did not practice with a knee slash abdomen, which was really uh, appendectomy. Uh, Chris Barnes, full participation with a hand. Romeo Dubs, full participation with an ankle. Kingsley Ngbare, full participation with a knee. Rudy Ford, full participation with a wrist. Elton Jenkins, limited participation with a knee. Aaron Jones, limited participation with an ankle. Mercedes Lewis did not practice because he's a veteran. Aaron Rodgers, full practice with a right thumb and rib injury. And Darnell Savage, full participation with a foot. Who are any of those Rams players? I know. Well, Bill put this on Twitter, and it was one of my favorite tweets he had. Um, what, what's the uh, Acme Packing guy, Justice? Um, yeah. He he tweeted out something like, uh, the Packers should be fine against the Rams because I just watched Rams games and said at least five times, um, who is this that? This is the preseason roster. Yeah, and and Bill said there's actually – we're, we're inverse, inverse correlation, guys. Bill said – um, there's an inverse correlation between Packers results and how many times I say, who is that for the other team? Yep. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> it was so good. All right. Deacon Jones, let's finish out here with what you're afraid of and our predictions. So, um, I'm going to start with you, Jeremy. What should Packers fans be ap- afraid of going into this game against the LA Rams? Oh, they should be afraid of looking terrible against a terrible team. Or should I say, no, because I think that's what you have. I don't, the Rams are so uninspiring to me. I have, I got nothing. Yeah. If they don't win this game, you should be worried about everything. <laughs> the Rams are terrible. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to like uh, regurgitate your take from before. I guess they, they could be, because that's what I had written down was, um, that the Packers are bad and we're going to lose to a bad team. But we, I mean, we should win this game. How many times have we said that this year? But I guess you brought up something that I am now afraid of, which is uh, I should be afraid of uh, Baker Mayfield as an underdog, right? Like I should be afraid yeah, of him as Yeah, that's a good underdog. one. But that's all I got. Like, I don't know what else to be afraid of. We should win this game. We should have won a lot of games this year. Yeah, that we like didn't. underdog mentality. Like they've got all these backups in. Maybe they're just going to play harder. I yeah. don't know. I just got nothing. All right, let's uh, let's hammer through this list. Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, Chris Long. Glad you added that in there. I thought I did that. Jim Everett, or did you already say that? I did not. Stephen Jackson. I actually have a Rams visor signed by him. I got from a family member of mine. Don't know how. What? I have it. I love it. That's amazing. All right, let's Just finish up. Just a basic coach's tan visor signed by Steven Jackson. Then don't ask it, Lance. Let's finish up with our predictions. So, Jeremy, I am going to have you lead off with your prediction, final score prediction. L.A. Rams at the Green Bay Packers, 7.20 p.m. God's time zone in Lambeau, Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's going to be a cold one. Going to be a cold one. Um, I think Baker likes that one, though. I'm just going to start with a number, and then I'm going to see how we get there. I do not think the Packers score a lot. It's probably going to be 23 to 16. And I'm going 16 because I just think the Rams are a weird team that are going to end up with weird scores, either a two-point conversion coming back from late or just a couple field goals because they are not good enough to punch it in. A um, lot of running. I think the Rams are finally like, yeah, we have Cam Akers. We're just going to use him because Sean McVay can't quit Cam Akers. <laughs> and LaFleur is going to. Uh, I, the, the Dobbs-Watson thing really makes me think they are actually going to be somewhat okay or formidable on offense. But also, I don't know. They're so unpredictable this year, this Packers team. I just think they get out of there with a win, unconvincingly, seven-point win. They do not cover. Perfect. So, um, I, of course, am. I, I need. I'm going to hold two thoughts in my head. I'm going to bet the Rams plus seven or plus eight, whatever line I get. And at the same time, I am going to predict the score. Aaron Rodgers is going to be correct. The Packers are going to land in the 30s, as I've predicted all year 35 16 the la rams score 16 because they try to go for two 
and they don't get it at some point. So 35-16, Green Bay Packers. We don't have Bill here with us, but that is the end. You are welcome for listening to the Packers pregame podcast. And so I think I'm going to send them out unless Jeremy wants to send you out with a Go Pack Go. I will not be doing that. (laughs) 